Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SCS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And today, a show so good, it happens every Friday, except last Friday, because we were covering the Charlie Adelson trial. Great Scott, it's your true crime, Phil, and here they are, America's most respected detective, Phil Waters, who appears to not be in a Hawaiian shirt today for some reason. We'll ask why, because he's no longer on the big island. And then you've got Scott Duffy, former FBI supervisory agent out of the Delaware office, who is also a Commonwealth of PA police officer for five and a half years. Of course, Phil Waters owns Kindred Spirits Investigations. He was a Houston homicide detective for many, many years. And uh, was the star of the show, The Interrogator, that he wishes was called The Interview Room. Uh, Phil Waters, once you leave the Big Island, no more Hawaiian shirts? No, I'm in my uh, I'm in the real world now, so I dress appropriate to my presence in Texas. And mm. I'm in my office here in the, in the Woodlands, Texas, in the beautiful Woodlands, the Woodlands, Texas. And how come uh, there's no cowboy hat then? There should be a cowboy hat. Well, I have my uh, cowboy art is behind me there hmm. and uh, have some other over here. And then, of course, I have. That's the uh, shot from the third floor lanai in uh, my house in Hawaii. So uh, and then hmm. this is a moon this picture of in Hawaii. Hmm. So I have it around me. But uh, here we are. Phil Waters, I know it's bittersweet. You're back home, but you're um, no longer in the Big Island. Are you feeling a, a touch blue, if you would? Oh, I'm. The minute the plane touches down and intercontinental, I'm counting the days that we're heading back. So mm. there you go. You'll be there soon enough. And uh, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. There have been a lot of emails flying around. Um, could you give Nugget one final kiss goodbye on her muzzle? I did, and uh, of course that was, you know, that's always bittersweet leaving that uh, leaving that puppy dog behind. But my niece is there and will be there until December, and then my brother was over there uh, for the last week, and uh, so they enjoyed Nugget's company. And, uh, so yeah, so we're in, we're in good shape, but she's, she's kind of coming and going now. My brother told me that she was gone for a couple of days and then she showed back up. So I don't know if they're restricting her movement and, or she's breaking out, you know, to get where she wants to be. But uh, is this uh brother John who I met? Is this your yeah. only brother? Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you met wow. him. That's right. Yeah. I love John Waters. Great guy. Uh, Scott Duffy, didn't see you for a week. You look uh, bundled up. Temperatures are dropping there. Um, the sick kind of person that I am, I have a TuneIn radio app. It's called TuneIn. I'm a radio file. I love radio. And uh, since I know the temperatures are dropping in New York, my hometown, obviously New Jersey, my home state, I decided I would listen to WCBS Radio, News Radio 88, just to hear the traffic and the weather. 
and uh, it was a low of 49. Um, don't want to rub it in, but it's about 84 in Miami today. It's a little hot. Uh, how are you doing with the temperature dip there in Philadelphia? It's nice. It's uh, well, it's probably raining. Mm. No sun today, but yeah, mm. you know, I enjoy the fall fifties and sixties. So there's no complaints here except mm. when it's raining, but yeah. Ever, We're ever the optimist, good. Scott Duffy. I uh, get what, what is known as sad or seasonal affect disorder. I hate rainy days. It was raining yesterday. Ethel refused to get off of the chair. She finally switched from one chair to another chair I posted that on uh, on Instagram on Surviving the Survivor. Uh, it was raining, and she looked at me like I was crazy because I tried to get her to go outside. She wasn't having it. Um, quick reminder, you can uh, support us at Patreon, YouTube. Uh, I understand times are tough. You can't do that. Please give us five stars. And uh, if you're in the car, listen to us on audio. We're everywhere uh, podcasts can be listened to. Helps us greatly. Uh, before we get kicking here um i'm feeling by the way shout out to cindy hollenbeck who i've been speaking with she's in the moscow pullman area uh frankie figs chiming in here i cannot believe it has been a year since these kids were murdered uh this monday marks one year of course the victims are kaylee gonzalez 21 her best friend maddie mogan 21 you have zana kernodal who was dating ethan chapin both of them 20 years old horrific horrible tragic story uh phil waters this trial is now according to the court um delayed indefinitely uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the latest news but um what does that do to a case when there is no trial date Have we been given any any reasons why it's been delayed? Have they, did they give any? Who, who's releasing the information, by the way? The DA. This is office? the court. Well, this is the court. court. Um, and yeah, um, you know, the uh, there's just been a lot of motions within the court. As we know, the defense tried to get the indictment thrown out. That was uh, a hail mary that didn't work. But there's just been a lot of motions and a lot of issues with DNA. And so now the court has basically said, and by the way, the trial was set to kick off this month uh, or last month, October. What month is this? It's November. So it was it was set to start in October, I believe. Uh, but now there's no date. So, you know, wh what does that do, I guess, to you, to the morale of investigators? Is it a good thing, a bad thing? Is it give them more time to investigate? Well, I, I it, you know, my experience has been when it comes to trial that when the, the the frustration is 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 for the detectives is we're just not getting it done. The detectives should be prepared as I was to go to trial, and we meet with the prosecutors and and the we formulate what the scope of the questions will be and so forth and so on and what my testimony is going to be and that's the same thing that's happening here. Most of these delays are going to be it would appear created by motions that the defense is filing and trying to muddy the waters and, and, you know, get indictments. I, that was, I mean, they're, they're doing everything they can do, which tells me that the defense is very concerned about the scope of the evidence that the prosecution has. And so it, it does tend to, 
wear down the prosecution, especially if they are ready to go. Uh, it's just kind of a uh, an annoyance. But any kind of a delay with something like this, especially this this complicated and this high profile, uh, it, it wears on on both sides of this thing, and it wears on them in every way possible. I know when I had big cases that were kind of getting batted around like this, um, you know, you get pumped up and you think you're going, then all of a sudden they tell you, no, it's 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 over with. It's not going to happen, and it's a it's a letdown. You know, I mean, it's this constant up and down thing is is not good. But when it comes down to it, when when it finally does happen, it's gonna it's gonna happen. Everybody will be on their game, and it, it'll happen. But it's just a uh, it just wears thin with everybody involved, and of course, the public is clamoring for you know this thing to go to trial so they can all you know see what happens and so forth and so on. So it does have an effect, but uh, it'll come around. It'll be all right. I had a case that just recently closed and it was uh an old case of mine uh from from houston and that thing uh it took uh almost seven years for that to be resolved so this stuff uh this stuff happens is that a kindred spirits investigations hoodie no it's a shirt it's a shirt. I don't wear hoodies. That's I like a hoodie to me. Scott oh. can oh. wear FBI hoodies. I do not wear hoodies. Oh, <laughs> but that's a uh, but that but it is a Kindred Spirits Investigations logo. It's tough to tell on this from this vantage point. Also, Phil, I'm curious: Are you in an office office? Because I see people walking by over your left shoulder. Or are you in your? I am in an office office. I'm in a. A location in an office building, and where I am is called the Work Lodge, mm. and it is kind of a honeycomb setup where you have all different sizes and of offices. And I've been here for uh, almost six years. I know the mm. owner, and uh, just a great, great environment, and um, it's just a really, really great place to work. And it's got meeting rooms and. All the amenities. I mean, I, the stuff that I don't have to go out and acquire myself. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really a nice, nice setup. Very good. Uh, this is, by the way, I'm going to get the hate mail already. I'm, I haven't even asked Scott a question yet, but this question is for Phil. Uh, so the reason we weren't on last week, twofold, uh, Phil Waters traveling back from the Big Island, but it was also in Tallahassee covering the Charlie Adelson trial. He's a Florida dentist, now a periodontist, now a convicted killer. He was convicted by a jury of his peers. Uh, Phil Waters, he liked fast cars and fast women, dated a lot of strippers, and uh, he had a Ferrari with the license plate Maestro, and he's now going to state prison. Would you be interested in purchasing his Ferrari, Don Hagerman would like to know? What uh, what model is it? You know, I have no... I have no idea. Don, if you happen to know, let us know and I will um and I will let Phil know. Look at this comment. Um Scott Duffy, you handle drugs as part of your job in the FBI. You know crack cocaine is highly addictive. She says, I'm on vacation and it's my birthday yet. Here I am watching. What the hell is wrong with me? Scott Duffy, I had a Latin King gang member. They said it's better to be. Well, yeah, let me, let me interrupt. Let me get my first interruption in. Please, please, please. <laughs> 
So happy birthday to Lisa. Oh yeah. And a happy and a happy 248th birthday to the United States Marine Corps. Semper Fi. Hoorah to all those Marines out there. Very nice. Um, Are you allowed to, if you're not a Marine, am I allowed to say the S F word even? What you just said. I, I will allow you to say it. Yes. Because I, I know your heart's in the right place. Yeah. Semper Fi, all you Marines. Thank you for your service. Thank you to Phil Waters. Appreciate that. Uh, tough job, man. It's a tough job defending this country. Scott Duffy, um, any uh, any birthday wishes or advice about her STS addiction? Um, is it safer, in your opinion, than crack cocaine or methamphetamine? <laughs> This could be worse because, you know, it just, it, it, it's highly addictive. That's why. And, um, you know, it's, it's so happy birthday, Lisa. Fantastic. What a great addiction to have. So hopefully many, many more addicts out there um, are watching along with you. Mm. Uh, Martha Nicholson. Okay, Phil, you and your wife will have to kidnap Nugget. I do not think STS Nation can handle losing Nugget. Glad you're back in the Republic of texas so well we were re- we were reunited with my poppy dog so we're we're not dogless uh but uh and poppy it was great to see poppy she went uh she did her whoop whoops and all that helicopter stuff when she saw us so it was it was awesome mm. look at this question scott by the way happy veterans day phil from Lindsay shade to that's, all the veterans that's, that's tomorrow that's tomorrow yeah. thank you thank you Lindsay. and my yeah, my, my kids were asking me, what is Veterans Day? And I told them it is for people like Phil Waters, who served their nation. Uh, Martha, oh, sorry, I just cut that off. We'll put Tolly back in a minute. Scott, can, can't can you enlist the services of the FBI to airlift Nugget to Houston? Can you make some calls? Yeah, we can arrange that. Absolutely. <laughs> mm. There's Tolly in... Uh, war-torn Israel right now. My STS fam, Joel COE, thank you all for caring, writing me, and just for being you. It means the world to me. I appreciate each and every one of you. I'm so blessed to be part of this community, and I love you all dearly. Right back at you, Tali. Always say best guest, better community, and uh, horrific what's going on in Israel all around. Uh, innocent people are dying as a result of uh, these terrorists, Hamas, and uh What's happening to the Palestinian people is horrific, but um, the United States was attacked by terrorists in the way that Israel was. I think the United States would be defending themselves. Black Widow, um, how was Bill Burr? I saw comedian Bill Burr last night with the COE. He is literally, my throat hurts. I was laughing so hard. If you guys have not seen Bill Burr and you ever have the opportunity to see him, he's got a movie on Netflix now called Old Dads. I felt better because he's an older dad than me. He's 55 with a three-year-old. And um, he did a uh, whole bit on the submersible. And I was literally doubled over crying, um, which he then morphs into why white people make the mistake of climbing Mount Everest. And it was unbelievably funny. The guy's uh, once-in-a-generation comedic talent. Check out Bill Burr. Scott Duffy. He should pay me. He should pay me for that, Bill Burr. Scott Duffy. The FBI is in the headlines as it relates to the Moscow murders and Brian Koberger. Believe it or not, they were back at his home on King Road. They were there to reportedly collect more evidence. 
They were taking room measurements and doing 3D modeling. Two-part question. They were talking about tearing this house down. How would they do this if it was torn down? And uh, why are they back there? Well, that's exactly why Phil and I have been talking, you know, the difference about um, leveling something. So it's not not where all the gawkers are coming out. But at the same time, there there is or could be a possibility that the jury would like to at least um, uh, at least approach it if uh, by one of those jury vans and whatnot. So and, and so this is where the positive is something didn't take place and and my guess is um the services of the fbi's evidence response team was called upon to do a a uh, they'll, they'll go ahead and map that place out every inch every corner be videotaped and then you'll be able to um with all the software that's out there be able to create a 3d almost like these realtors using these 3D tours. And so that will be more than likely utilized in court. And, um, you know, with, with regards to that, going back into, I don't know if, you, if, if they didn't have the permissions of the current owner, they would have to, uh, again, get another search warrant to be able to go in there and utilize all that. So it's, it's, um, it's, Making sure you've dotted all your I's, crossed all your T's, and if they didn't have a 3D version of it, they are going to now. Look at this, McSpunky. He's addicted to giving out Surviving the Survivor memberships, and we love him for it. Uh, just donated five Surviving the Survivor uh, memberships on uh, what is almost uh, Veterans Day. So uh, there you go. Um, look at this. Ruthless. I love Ruthless. She's kind of somewhat new, but she's a friend of the show now. I was watching from an Egyptian beach this week. I'm now in cold England, shivering. You weren't in Sharmel Shake, were you, Ruthless? I was there many years ago. Um, it's down by the by the Red Sea. It's a beautiful place um, on the Egyptian side. Um, Cindy Hollenbeck says, I love Bill Burr. He's so funny. He is hilarious. The bit he did about the... I mean, you never want to laugh at the expense of other people's of other people dying, but he just started talking about the submersible and I, I couldn't control myself. Um, Scott Duffy, the question must be asked. This murder happened a year ago. They basically arrested Brian Koberger in December. Why do all these measurements now? Why didn't they do it two months ago or three months ago or four months ago? I know it's annoying, but that's my job as a reporter, which I'm no longer really a reporter, but I will still ask the question. I mean, those are good questions, and I gotta—I would have assumed that all that was done, and so it's possible now that you have what what at least what you're hearing a a long delay into uh, scheduling a new trial date, right? Because we do not have a trial date. It's possible that as this moves further and further away, that. Um, it would be difficult to not level or destroy this place. And, and so as we get further and further, if the current owners are trying to level this place, then it's possible that at the very least we will have had a 3D 
um, all the measurements. So this way, any question that's going to be asked within the courtroom and trying to give jurors the real feel of what it's like to be in there, that um, this this these 3D pictures would be able to be utilized in absence of a jury being able to to go to the actual site in the event that it is leveled. You can you can stay stave it off for some time, but if if we start to get into potentially another six months, if not longer, um, and the current owners are fighting to level it, then then at least now you have all the at, at least the next best thing. Uh, Scott Duffy, I could not help but notice you're not wearing glasses. How come? I'll put them on. <laughs> put them on. Put them on. Uh, STS, do you want him with glasses or sans glasses? I think it's I think it's with. Um, another one here from Jammin. Thank you for your service, Phil. Uh, Phil, you know, they wanted to demolish his home. We were just talking about it. But now uh, people are saying, thankfully, they didn't do it. And this 3D modeling could also potentially spare the future jurors a visit to 1122 King Road. How do you feel about that, about modeling, potentially replacing an actual visit? And are you breathing a sigh of relief that this house was not demolished as they once wanted it to be? Well, to answer your your last question first, uh, no. I'm not uh, agonized about it either way. I, I just think... I. My recollection is when we were talking about this, when there was a discussion about raising the thing and taking it to the ground, that it seems like there was some uh, decision or direction given either by the DA's office or by the court. And I think the defense did not want the house taken down as well. So I think there were some decisions made within the confines of the of the court to not demolish this house in the, and, and my guess was, as Scott's already talked about, was that they may want to take the jury to the scene, they being the defense. And I would not be surprised at all if that's what they end up doing. Now the, the prosecution, if it were I, I would get ahead of that. And I would be the one to take the jurors to the scene. So, but again, that's that's all going to be part of a whatever the strategy is that the that the prosecution further develops. But uh, so I don't I don't think it's it's um, they're being back in there to do measurements. That's a little odd, but perhaps they're just confirming what they've already done and they just want to make sure that they are, they've got the most accurate, the most accurate measurements at the scene. Kaz loves cakes coming to us. I believe from Scotland must be hell for the friends and families having it dragged out like this. I can't imagine that it's not hell, not, not hell. Uh, Linda Vergata. Thank God they didn't take it down. Interesting last name. Uh Oh, uh Oh, sorry. Uh Oh, is that the Magnum PI theme? What is that? It, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Gets caught every time. Um, well, you know, I'm back here and I was rushing around and 
forgot to silence certain things. I just here. just imagine this for a moment, everyone. We finally are doing the Super Bowl halftime show. Hundred thousand screaming fans. We're at the fifty yard line on a specially built podium with my mother being rappelled down from a helicopter. All the speakers are working, and suddenly Phil's Magnum PI theme song goes off. It would be such a jolt to the halftime Super Bowl fans to hear that, but it would also be kind of funny, and that's why I do think that one day this show will be the Super Bowl halftime show. I've said it once, <laughs> I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, Linda Vergata, thank God they didn't take it down, but what's fascinating about this comment is Karen Vergata was just identified as one of the Long Island serial killer victims. Linda, I hope there's not a relation, but if there is, let us know. Uh, surviving the survivor at gmail.com. Phil, I think that's pretty good of me. Um, I'm, I'm becoming an investigator. I'm noticing little things like common last names. So uh, it's, it's well, rub, you you're rubbing go. off on me, Phil, you and Scott. Um, when you can snatch the pebble from our hand, Grasshopper. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's when I will know. Um, Joel, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Judy gave Surviving the Survivor a shout out a bunch of times on last night's show. I love Judy. Love her show. That guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, said something a little demeaning about Jewish people, but I got to forgive the guy. He seems like a really good guy. Actually, he's a former best friend of Charlie Adelson, um, and he was on Judy Tang's uh, YouTube channel, Asian American Legal Focus. So check it out. I'm glad you guys saw it. And by the way, tonight, 2020, 9 p.m. Eastern time. I'm giving them a free plug. Our very own Tim Jansen and Brandy Churchwell will be on 2020. It's all about the Adelsons. Dateline's doing the Long Island Serial Killer. Which one are you watching? Let me know in the comments. Are you going to watch the Long Island Serial Killer case? Or are you watching Charlie Adelson on ABC's 2020? Adam Malone's a cool dude. He's always tweeting at me. He gave me the nickname Rims for my Jiminy Glick glasses, Phil Waters, and uh, he just says, glad to be here. I'm glad he's here with us. So, Scott Duffy, the um, University of Idaho released a statement, and it says, and I quote, they own the house, by the way, which is why they were releasing a statement. Visual displays take months to build and were not feasible under the timeline of an October trial. While the measurements and details needed to build a model were taken at the time of the initial investigation, the FBI is using this extended trial timeline to gather their own measurements and images now that the personal property has been re removed from the premises. Uh, that's interesting. So they're doing it for their own on their own time. What's the benefit of that, Scott Duffy? They're doing nothing that's not in support of the prosecution. So there's nothing they're doing that's going to not be used or requested by the prosecution. I can't imagine the FBI is doing anything on their own with regards to this because they are just, not just, but they are a resource to uh, to facilitate the prosecution and whatnot. So I am, you know, so you are talking about a year. But this is the time. And so I don't know if the weather is similar. Uh, if I remember, there was snow on the ground this time last year. Um, so I don't know if there's snow on the ground. And so thereby, if if there's going to be a defense question, well, you took those in the summertime or different time. 
perhaps now they're like, okay, we maybe they do have all of this imaging, but now they want to um, redo it at at what would be the same time frame. So it's they're just my guess is they're just really getting down into every aspect of what the defense can throw at them and be able to say we have an answer. Hmm. You know, so I think to add to, to add to that, I think that perhaps. Uh, because the FBI has to be requested to come into these types of investigations, and they were, the prosecutors may want may have wanted the FBI to go back in there and do measurements to at least bring an objective view. You know, having the detectives at Moscow PD, excuse me, come in there and do those measurements would maybe not have the impact that the prosecution wants to have by having the FBI come in there and make those same, you know, make those measurements themselves. It kind of adds, it adds a little bit of, in my view, it adds a little bit of objectivity to the overall strategy of the, uh, of work in the scene. By the way, there's a kind of a controversial comment and you'll find out why from Jason truth that I'm going to bring to Phil's attention, but first Scott Duffy, uh, Misty may the killers in this Idaho murders, adrenaline was pumping. Does that mean the killer could do more killing in a short period of time? Uh, what say you, Scott Duffy? Uh, does adrenaline help you become, in essence, a more effective killer? Mm, that is a good question. It's, uh, I mean, what you, you're talking about definitely, but also when the adrenaline is up, uh, there you're you're not aware as much, and so this tunnel vision, just like. Somebody um, on law enforcement side, if they're involved in an in an active shooter, what is they're 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 laser focused in on a target, and uh, many of the senses that otherwise we utilize every day um, get focused into what is needed, and that could be, uh, for example, your eyesight. So I would imagine very much like here, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. We know. There are at least 12 times where Brian Koberger had had um, um, got into the that area right through GPS and whatnot. And so he's 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 uh, gearing up for this. And then finally, on that night, he's committed to it. And so your adrenaline is going, but then you, you become laser focused. And so, yes, the adrenaline may very well help. Um, keep going with what what you you set out to do, um, but I'm not so sure if 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 I'm reading the question right. It's not like, well, I intended with one, but because of my adrenaline, others. You know, um, it's 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 definitely something that could be used to has advantage, um, but at the same time, and I think that's that's what we in law enforcement rely upon is their exit plan is not planned out as well as they thought. And because of adrenaline and all these other factors coming into place, they're, they're just, um, they make mistakes and mistakes that law enforcement can detect, pick up as evidence, et cetera. So it's a good question. Fantastic question. Yeah. By the way, Ruthless says in London, my husband has just said, are you watching that channel with the trial stuff again and rolled his eyes? Ruthless, I bet you when your husband is at work, he is secretly watching STS on his cell phone on YouTube. And he's just uh, 
she's just in the closet about it publicly to you or privately to you or however to you. Uh, Phil Waters, this is the um, this is sort of the inflammatory comment that I would like you to address from Jason Truth. Interesting last name. We do know victim shaming on this show, uh, which is why I would like Phil to address this with his own experience, wealth of experience, the most mysterious and crazy fact. But this is a point that's raised often. Uh, the most mysterious and crazy fact in this sad, brutal murder case is the fact that DM, she's one of the surviving roommates, chose not to call 911 for eight hours. She makes an excuse that she was in shock. Come on. Five-year-olds have called 911. Phil Waters, you've handled all sorts of cases, um, not maybe quite of this magnitude, but very close. You've had you have a wealth of experience. What is your response to Jason Truth? Well, okay, you take this fact in isolation, and it doesn't tell the truth about what happened. And so, I, this this criticism of this uh, this witness. Uh, given the scope of what occurred and what, and we, we don't know what she witnessed. I mean, we've heard a lot of stuff. We've heard a lot of talk. We know what was in some of the, it was in some of the affidavit about what she, a portion of what she saw. So until this thing goes to trial and until the facts of the case which lead to the truth about what happened in that house that night, that morning. Um, I think that it is disrespectful, and I think it is uh, it's uh, it doesn't further anything in this particular case. And to continue to speculate about this young lady that's been through this, I don't think that's I don't think that's the right thing to do. So addressing this in, in isolation in that. And no disrespect to Jason asking the question, bringing it up. I'm just saying that I think everybody needs to back off and let's wait to the trial. And I would imagine that she is going to testify. So we'll get, we'll know what happened when this thing comes to trial and it all starts getting put out there. So speculation it really doesn't make any difference except it's good. It's good fodder for those that want to continue to talk about it. And I had uh Jay Ruben Appleman on a road, uh, um, while Idaho slept the book and he spoke to DM's father, I believe it was who said she's having a very hard time. Um, and is going through all kinds of trauma therapy, Cindy Hollenbeck in the Pullman Moscow area, there's no shaming the roommate for not calling 911. We've been over this a hundred times. We have to have empathy. We have no idea what went through her head. She was terrified, and I would have to agree with that. Scott Duffy, this is an interesting question from Michael Couture, friend of the show here. I've seen Dr. Ramsland. She, of course, uh, wrote a book about BTK and has been in touch with him over the years and happened to teach Brian Koberger. I've seen Dr. Ramsland on this show. She has been on the show. This is before we were really true crime all the time. And learned that she taught Koberger at one point. Curious to know if she might be a witness in court, Scott Duffy, and how her background knowledge could be used. Since she was a teacher, could she be subpoenaed here? Yeah, she and others from, from his could be. And that's ultimately my belief would be 
detectives or those acting on behalf of the detectives, anyone that the detectives would have um, uh, requested, like another agency to go out and conduct interviews. My, my belief would be that anybody teaching in the criminal justice field would interv- uh, be interviewed and see what they know. For example, what papers did he write? Perhaps they're what doesn't make sense when you're reading a paper real time. Now, all of a sudden, you have a crime to go back on. There could be little things in there that, that, that just jump off the paper and say, wow, this was something that could be useful. So absolutely, um, it, it, uh, as long as it's relevant, as long as they're between papers and what might have been said in the classroom or however, however he was going to class, it could have been through Zoom, and how he interacted with others could very well play a part, at least at least to have all them interviewed. And and then, of course, it's going to be up for prosecution to say, hey, these these statements would be relevant, even even though they're they're not part of the actual um, crime. Jason Truth says didn't mean to victim shame Dylan as a survivor. She's still a victim. Uh, many have said this listening to Phil now. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. I wanted to address that since it does come up a lot. Look at this from Gretchen in Bergamo. My husband always asked me if I'm watching uh, the murder channel ID again this morning. I tried to explain. I mostly gave that and lawn crime up. Dan Abrams, Dan Abrams, Dan Abrams, because STS is so much smarter. Take that, Dan Abrams. Uh, I don't think Phil and Scott realize we we actually beat law and crime with our numbers on uh, the Charlie Adelson verdict. So uh, I was very proud of that. And I took a little cheap shot at Dan Abrams. So um, come at Dan Abrams. What are you going to do? And no, I like Dan Abrams. Well, I, hope you got your Adelson, I hope you got your Adelson fix done. <laughs> Joel, it's out of because- the I mean, it was it was getting annoying. <laughs> it was all things Charlie Adelson. Oh my gosh, man, get over it. Okay, the guy's convicted now. So, are we, you good? Are we okay? Hey, Phil, what's going on? Speaking of that, I mean, I still I was talking about this with my wife. I'm fixated on this because the thing that's I'm most fearful in life is state prison. And I want to distinguish that from federal prison. What's going on in Charlie Adelson? We had a Latin King gang member on this week, but what do you think's going on in his mind right now, knowing he's about to spend the rest of his natural life in a Florida state prison? The waters. He's probably going to want to, uh, Get his rear end surgically sewn shut would be my would be my take. I'm sure he's concerned about his, you know, that area of his body. But uh, uh, look, I mean, this is a guy that, from all outside looking in, in terms of success and material things and things that we would call somebody successful in terms of however man defines that um it's all gone he's gonna get three hots and a cot and Mm. um for the rest of his life so uh, whether it's federal prison or state prison it's prison and um i you know i i think he's 
he's going to be immersed in a world that he never, ever imagined he would be living in. So uh, I'm sure he's very, very concerned about his his future. By the way, his defense theory uh, was that he was extorted by the Latin King gang. That was the theory that the defense presented, and he ended up paying in payment plans, which was kind of laughable. But the irony is that the Latin King gang member we had on said the first thing that's going to happen to Charlie Adelson in prison is he's going to be extorted by gangs, including the Latin Kings. So it's actually going to come oh, yeah. to fruition in prison. It's so scary. I can't even think about it. Uh, Cripley says, is Phil short for Fillmore, as in Millard Fillmore, my favorite president? Phil, would you like to explain the derivation of your name? It It is. And I was named after my grandfather, who was named after Millard Fillmore. He spelled his name with the two L's like Miller Fillmore did. I spell mine with one. Uh, that's for whatever reason, that's how my parents put it on the birth certificate. And so, yes. And so Miller Fillmore and I've never been able to, nobody's ever been able to answer the question as to why my grandfather was named Millard Fillmore. Uh, Millard Fillmore as president. I think he became president because I think Franklin Pierce died in office or something, and he was his vice president. He was a member of the Whig Party. He was from Buffalo, New York, by the way, and could not even garner the nomination when he finished the term for the uh, to be elected to be to run for president under the Whig Party. So he quit the Whig party and he started his own party and it was called the know nothing party, which would apply very well to today's world. But, um, he, he, um, the only thing that he did of really any significance while he was president and this is kind of legend anyway, was that he is responsible for putting the first working toilet in the White House. That's fascinating. Um, <laughs> that is that is fascinating. Uh, by True the way, story. my grandfather. Sorry. So, my yeah. grandfather's name is was Milton. I love that name, and Millard is not far off from Milton. So, uh, I don't know if I have a grandchild, I'll have him call my grandchild Mill. How about that? Uh, we'll split. Of the course, that makes my initials. That makes my initials MF. So it's not what everybody's now thinking of. So it is Millard Fillmore. And uh, and if I might, I'll just tell you a funny story here. So when I was working patrol at North Shepherd in Houston, Texas, HPD, on our name tags, of course, we have our initials and our last names. Well, mine says MF Waters II. And, of course, I would get guys that I would be talking to on the street or I'd be arresting and they'd look at my name tag and they'd see the initials MF. And they'd start laughing, and I'd say, no, nope, not what you're thinking of, but it can if you don't do what's right. So there was another officer there whose initials were, and this is a true story, whose initials were F-U. <laughs> and we, we tried to convince the roll call sergeant to let us ride together. <laughs> 
and he would never let us ride together because he was scared to death that he would be getting a series of complaints about <laughs> officers MF and FU. <laughs> so we were never able to ride together, but it was just one of those funny ironies in law enforcement at Houston hmm. PD at North Shepherd substation. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, here's, Oh, someone else was asking if you wanted Charlie's Ferrari super sticker here from uh, Vicki Kennedy. Thank you, Vicki. Um, Black Widow. She comes to us from the Republic of Ireland. She has a sharp tongue and sharp wit and she's funny. And she says, my grandma's name <laughs> was Cannonball, granddad, I guess. I don't know. You you left a letter out there, uh, but I like that. Cannonball would be a great name. Uh, for those of you who are not accustomed to Fridays, it's off the rails. This is a typical Friday for the most part. Um, we are going to talk about other big true crime stories of the week, which I have lined up, but we're going to finish out on these, uh, Brian, latest with the Moscow murders. Scott Duffy, one thing that's very interesting about this so far is they've been going back and forth about um, DNA. Uh, we know that there was DNA found on the knife sheath and then the state was using IgG, uh, investigative genetic genealogy, and that's how they allegedly tracked him down or investigators, I should say, were using that. And then the defense said that they were going to contest uh, some of the science related to the DNA found at the scene. But the thing that keeps jumping out at me, there's also three unidentified male uh, DNA sequences found there. How problematic is that for the state? Um, because obviously the defense is going to say, look, we don't know who these three people are. Um, now, I will preface that with a caveat. I just want, there's a very interesting doc, I wish I could remember the name, on Netflix right now about a horrific murder in, I want to say Lynchburg, Virginia, 1985, 1986. Uh, they were kind of, uh, um, What's the word? They were um, socialites. And this daughter and boyfriend at the time slashed these parents' throats. And at one point, um, there was some unidentified DNA found at the crime scene. It turned out there were partial profiles, et cetera, et cetera. Is that what we're going to find out here eventually, Scott, that these are partial profiles? Or how problematic is that? I don't think it's problematic. I think in, in a good investigator along with a great dna uh expert will be able to fill in those gaps so think about going into not just an horrific crime scene but the crime scene was a very popular like any other uh college apartment would it, it's it there's lots of people and then of course you are once a crime scene has taken place now you have um, you have medical personnel, the coroner, lots of investigators that are all there. And of course, you know, you're supposed to have your protective suits and et cetera, et cetera. So you're not contaminating or bringing anything um, that's not already there. So it, it, it all depends. For example, if if um, if this this sheath is there is is what was holding the uh, the murder weapon and it is left behind that's a great source right that's something that was brought to the crime scene did not belong there it's foreign to the to this apartment uh to this house and um and so thereby 
you still need that. A, a jury needs to know why is the, what's to say that's um, the uh, the sheath of the murder weapon versus the sheath of somebody else, right? Then, and so you have to bring together that narration. And um, when you when you start testing for fingerprints or DNA, you're going to come across additional pieces that um, that are just not tied to your suspect and so you're going to have to create another story and that's not going to come out until trial to say what this is and why that was tested and why it doesn't come back to brian koberger etc and 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 of course to your point is it possible that it is partial and so thereby couldn't um have gone any further with it but my my belief like anything else you explain uh the negatives with the positives and to have additional uh, pieces of evidence or DNA, it's it's something that's collected, something that shows it's tested. The defense will get a hold of it. They'll make it a red herring, like aha, there's somebody else involved. But but this is where it takes a good investigator to say that was tested. But here's the reason why it's not connected. And and ultimately, I think that's that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, Lindsay Shea says she's it's an excellent documentary on Netflix. Uh, Lindsay, if you know the name, I forget the name because I just watch docs and I pay no attention. Uh, let me know the name. But it was about a murder in uh, Virginia in 1985 of a very high profile couple. Uh, misdemeanor OG, I'm not going to read this comment, but I'll let you read it. I taught a kid and that was his name. True story. You can phonetically. Uh, that's because of Phil's. Uh, MF and FU comment. Uh, where is Phil Scott? He seems to have disappeared on us. He, just, is, uh, he, just, he just took off. Yeah, I think he uh, he's either buying a new Ferrari or his uh, internets are giving him a hard time. Um, Christy Gonzalez, she's the mother of Kaylee Gonzalez. Uh, may she rest in peace. Scott Duffy, she just spoke to Brian Enton, of course, of News Nation, a friend of the COEs and a friend of mine. Um, Julie Fru says, Phil, come back. Phil, where are you? Let's see if you texted me. Hang on a sec. Uh, did Phil text me? Uh, no, he did not text me. So maybe he is buying a Ferrari. Um, by the way, we're still working on the Ellen Greenberg case. I just got an email okay. from Sam, a text. Go ahead, Scott. Did you see? Did you see the text? Oh no, yeah. I didn't. A power cord got disconnected, so he needs to be back in. Where is he? I don't see him. Uh, tell me he's not in the waiting room. Okay. Um, tell me us to go out and come back in. Uh, and I don't see a text. The the mystery is growing. I might need uh, the FBI here. Um, where the hell is this guy? We'll see if he comes back in. Everyone, hang tight. The suspense is building. Will Phil Waters get back into this episode of STS, or will he forever be banished um dom's right. mom meanwhile gifted five memberships scott duffy till i see his face uh i will continue with you christy oh, gonzalez no he is saying that he's in the the uh the waiting room it's just 
Let me see that. I can't. Uh, it says he's disconnected. I love handling technical <laughs> issues on the air. I don't have a text from him. Um, Scott Duffy, tell him to. Oh, here, hold on. Something's happening. Well, he just disappeared. That's a good sign, actually. Tell him to try to come back in. If you would. Yes. I could sing. Uh, the only song I know how to sing is Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, it's the only <laughs> song I know the words to. Uh, Dom's mom, 725. She just gifted five surviving the survivor membership so uh cannot thank you guys enough when you do that again um we are working to get our audio numbers up if you can give us a listen on uh audio platforms and or give us five stars that would be great this is the name of the woman i think was convicted in this crime elizabeth hasem uh that is the woman who was accused of that horrific crime in virginia on that netflix doc i was talking about i see phil water slowly emerging there he is. There he is. Uh, Phil, can you hear us? I I can. Beautiful. You, Great to have you back. I suddenly turned into the orange man, so I'm not sure what that yeah. is. Uh. You've never looked better. Phil, I was saving this for you. Um, we're wrapping up the Koberger part of the show. Christy Gonzalez, she was is back in the news. She and Steve Gonzalez, the parents of Kaylee Gonzalez. I know you don't particularly love them talking to the media. Well, she spoke to my friend, Brian Anton, who's a better friend of the COEs than mine, but a friend of the COEs is a friend of mine. Of course, he's with News Nation. Coming up on the year uh, since this happened, she spoke to Brian Anton. She says the worst part, obviously, is being in the same room with Brian Koberger and knowing what he's done. She went on to say, it makes me sick that he sits there in his suit and he sits there and taps his hands. She continued. I've never seen another murder, keep in mind he's not convicted yet, or whatever he is at this point in a case who's not in handcuffs, not in shackles, one or the other, or both, and in an orange, presumably, jumpsuit, even though she didn't say that. Uh, what do you make of these comments? She's obviously, you know, I mean, as we all would be, scarred by this, having a very hard time looking at him uh, coming into the courtroom in this suit. How do you, um, how do you, translate this well we all know how the Goncalves feel we cannot comprehend what they're going through but I've said it before I'll say it again I would prefer that Mr. Goncalves, keep his comments to himself and with between he and his wife. It doesn't serve, I'm telling you, this thing is going to go to a trial, evidently. We do not want jury nullification. We don't want things that he's saying affecting that trial and giving any kind of a doorway, a crack in the door to get some sort of appeal as this being part of an appeal. If he's convicted, he's going to get an appeal anyway. But I, I mean, I, my heart goes out to him. They're in my prayers, but he just needs to discipline himself 
to keeping his mouth shut at this point. It's moving forward. We all know how he feels about <clears throat> the evildoer being Mark or this defendant for all those bedwetters out there. They're going to get upset about that. Um, that this defendant, we all know how he feels. This is the way they do things. And I know this is, you know, th these guys, they don't all get, especially with these hearings, the, they're, they're dressing this guy up for the express purpose of not having him in there in shackles and an orange suit. When it goes to trial, he will be dressed as he is now, as we see him. He's not going to be sitting there at the table wearing an orange suit and shackles. They're not going to do anything. Look. <clears throat> The guy gets a presumption of evidence, a presumption of innocence. That's the way the system works. They're not going to do anything, march him in there in any way that is going to prejudice the jury. So this constant making comments, uh, to me, it just doesn't, it doesn't further the process, and it could damage it in some way. And, and so, you know, the, every murder trial I went to, every capital murder trial I went to, I'm going to tell you, I had some of the sleaziest looking people. This guy is clean cut anyway. But I'm telling you, I have, I've had people, I've had defendants that, I mean, they were turds. And I mean, tats all over them. And I mean, you know, the gang stuff and, and just looked the part. And when I got to trial with them, I had a, I had a, a female defendant. There was a member of one gang and she was 15 years old at the time and she did it. And she juked the click leader for MS 13 for an MS 13 group. One time, I mean, extra, extra them with a knife and he was DRT is dead right there. She had 15 years old, had the tats, had the talk and wore the garb. I mean, the whole bit, there was no question interviewing her that she was what she was. When we got to trial, they cleaned and dipped her, and she looked like an ingenue. She was probably 17, 16, 17 when we went to trial. I was just floored. You know, a much more presentable, softer tone about her, had makeup on her whole look. I mean, it was amazing. So this is part of the process. This is what is done to give the defendant the opportunity. He doesn't have to prove he's not guilty. He doesn't have to do anything except be there under a presumption of innocence. So the prosecution has the burden to prove 
what he did that he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So again, getting back to the original question, I understand. I, I do. I understand his frustration. I've been through it with families from the detective side of it in trying to talk to those families and, and keep them, keep them calm. But it, it, it serves no purpose except to, it just fuels his anger. And, and, and again, we all understand it. I'm not going to be critical of him as a person. I'm just saying that, gosh, please just every time you get a microphone stuck in your face, just say, look, I've said what I've said. Nothing's changed. We're looking forward to a trial, and we hope that it's going to happen as soon as possible and be done. But he's gotten caught up in it, and uh, again, I don't think it—I don't think it's serving the process well. So, by the way, Lindsay Shea has given us the name of that documentary on Netflix. Uh, Till murder do us part. A really fascinating documentary. Highly recommend. Um, someone said Phil is having trouble with his interweb. Someone else said that Phil's shoes can't be filled. I agree with that. Play on no, words. No, my bat. I didn't. I didn't hook the power cord in, and uh, it was giving me the warning that it was about to shut down. So that's what it was. Phil, do you wear your slippers in Houston? I do when it's weather appropriate, but right now it is freaking cold and it's raining. And so I have to wear clothes. So uh, that's, uh, you know, I got to wear long pants and shoes, which is not my mode. But uh, now yesterday, yesterday I was in shorts and slippers. But today, Phil, back to real clothes. Phil, does, um, does um, dreary weather adversely affect your mood? Do you suffer from seasonal affect disorder the way I do? No. I'm I'm the same today. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, I have preferences, but as far as it affecting me, no, no not really. I, I thought you would say that. I thought you were a little tougher mentally than me, but I just had to ask anyway. Uh, TR says, I'm in Houston. All right. Uh, maybe you, there you go. TR, tell us a little more about yourself. Maybe uh, Phil will take you for a ride in his Ferrari. Uh, Black, <laughs> Black Widow, look at this. I love this comment. Nobody. Nobody suffers like you, Joel, from Black Black Widow. You just had a different photo up five seconds ago. Now you have someone on a what looks what appears to be a jackass. Is that a jackass that your photo is? Um, look at this, Cindy Hollenbeck coming to us from the Pullman, Washington area. Joel, I lived in Bellingham, Washington. The sky was gray for ten weeks. I hated it. You are my spirit animal. That's why I could never live in the Pacific Northwest uh, for precisely that reason. No chance. Um, final two quotes here. These are sad. On keeping the house intact, Steve Gonzalez says, I knew in my heart what was best for those girls and Ethan, and I knew what was best was to keep that around until they did more, which is what they're doing now with the FBI there. There will be a point when I'll be like, let it go. And then they asked the mother about the home, 1122 King Road. And she said, Christy Gonzalez says, look, my daughter lived a happy life there. Yes, she was ultimately murdered there, but that was this much time. Uh, we have pictures of them in the house. When that house goes, it's going to be hard. Um, you got to feel for parents 
Uh, no matter what is going on, you got to feel for them. This is a horrific, horrific tragedy, and hopefully justice will be served. And now we move on to Lisk, the Long Island serial killer. And then we'll do some smaller stories to round out this great Scott, your true crime, Phil. That's how we roll on Fridays. Scott Duffy, New York Newsday, um, I, th- I believe now it's just Newsday, but they broke this story this week that on Wednesday, Rex Huerman's wife, Asa Ellerip, who's now filed for divorce, that she visited him behind bars. A lawyer, Bob Macedino, a lawyer for her, confirmed this, saying, I can confirm that Asa did visit with Rex yesterday. I have no further comment. Uh, you're a former investigator. You're an FBI agent. What on earth do you think they were visiting about? Were they talking about the divorce uh, some people are now, again, some people are now, in light of what we have learned about this swinger lifestyle, and she was there when some of these women apparently were in their home, think that there might be more that more than meets the eye. What say you, Scott Duffy? It could be all the above. It could be um, if they are both involved and and so they are co-conspirators, it's better to go in person rather than uh, be talking through phone calls and paper, which can can ultimately be uh, intercepted by law enforcement. So it would be smart if there's a co-conspiracy issue. And then it could be... Um, yeah, hey, I uh, I need those passwords, and only you have them. So, so it's it it doesn't surprise me. I don't know what their life was like leading up to the very day of his arrest, when they're both in the dark that he's being looked at, and and ready to be pounced on and arrested. So if their lives were whatever they were, happy go lucky, whatever whatever, including everything that's been talked about, um, then. Her, her going back to him, even though she's filed for divorce, um, you know, none of that surprises me. I mean, people, and and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not the last visit. So it it, it doesn't strike me as being anything out of the ordinary whatsoever. Phil Waters, could it be that she went there to tell him face to face, I hate your guts and you ruined my life? Oh, I guess it's possible. Anything's possible, right? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, that's certainly a, a possibility. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just, just so you all know, um, the jail spokesperson, a woman named Victoria Stefano, she declined to comment um, about this visit. She says, and I quote here, I love bureaucrats, Phil. Uh, As per policy, we do not release the names of visitors, but I can confirm that Rex Huerman received a visit yesterday. So it looks like she was there. Um, As all inmates, he got a pat down. Um, He was allowed a one-hour visit. He was allowed to embrace at the beginning and the end of the visit. All inmates are searched after visits. That's when he got his pat down. Um, The attorney for Rex Huerman, Michael Brown, had no comment, but um, Phil Waters, maybe you can elaborate on this question a little more. Rodney Harrison is a Suffolk County police commissioner. And since we last talked, he offered his resignation, which 
it stunned people. Why leave now just when this case is gaining steam? He said serving as a Suffolk County police commissioner for the past two years was not only a privilege, but one of the greatest highlights of my law enforcement career. And that is because of all of you. Um, And there's a question here from misdemeanor OG. What's going to happen to the ongoing investigation now that the best commissioner, Rodney Harrison, has left? What happens? Why leave? I have no idea. That's the first I've heard of that. Uh, mm. When did this happen? We break. Hey, we we break news on. Uh, I was. I almost said S, uh, on News Nation, but I forgot the name of my show. We break news on surviving the survivor. When when did um, the, when did this occur? This happened within the last ten days. I want to say. Um, really, but we were busy, oh. as you said, with Charlie Adelson. Yes, and, and we. I don't think we discussed it because you don't even know about it. Uh, um, but yeah, this just happened. Um, it's very mysterious. If anyone has any more light to shed on this please let us well, know in the comments section now that we now that you said this my my question would of course the big question is why why would he why would he leave um i i don't think at this you know this misdemeanor's got this question here what will happen to the ongoing investigation that will continue i think that the tone has been set and that will continue uh but my curiosity is, is, is the why. And my thought is that he has been made an offer um, somewhere else for a lot more money would be my, would just be my guess. He's just, he may have got an opportunity somewhere. I, I would hope that it's not something nefarious, like he got caught, you know, doing something. Uh, I hope it's nothing like that. I mean, this guy looks to be a pretty solid guy. So um, I hope it is something where he was given an opportunity and he's he's moving a little further up the food chain. The great Phil Waters once taught me uh, big motives, money, sex, drugs. Maybe he did get a big paycheck to leave, and uh, we're soon going to find out. Right now it is a bit mysterious and uh, why you would leave, you know, such a high profile criminal investigation when you're the top cop um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But we will find out soon enough. Scott Duffy, uh, the New York Post always does interesting work on talking to people that knew Rex Heerman. And uh, they spoke to a couple of coworkers, and they actually got this from Dateline. So credit to Dateline. Uh, They have a show, as I said, airing tonight about the Long Island serial killer. They spoke to a couple of former co-workers of him, I guess people who dealt with him uh, because he he was an architect. He had his own private firm. And this one person named Jeffrey Street Armand described him as being very assertive, maybe even leaning to the point of being aggressive. A second co-worker said, she just didn't feel comfortable with him at all. She was like, I don't want to be in the office when he comes and picks up the check. He wasn't easy at all. And she went on to say that you just start to feel afraid of the world. From a legal standpoint, once this goes to trial, how important are these sort of character witnesses that will explain the feelings they felt? Is this something that will be allowed in even um, in a trial? I don't, I mean, they can try. I'd be very surprised if they can bring in just, and typically you would see that on the defense side, 
when you're bringing in these character witnesses to say what a great guy and do anything or what a great whatever. Um, but but these you wouldn't bring those typically in. Let the evidence speak for itself, unless the only time I could see prosecution bringing in a witness like that is if he said something that uh, uh, equivalent to to a confession um, at the water cooler or something. But but yeah, getting the heebie-jeebies and I don't the, those are. Granted, I I would still be very surprised if law enforcement did not go out to speak with neighbors and colleagues, et cetera, to get an idea of the type of individual he is um, and anything he might have said. And then, of course, did he give anything to anybody? Um, It's amazing what you can can gather from these people who may have absolutely no connection to a crime. But, for example, a cell number, an address, whatever, something that law enforcement didn't have previously, they can then run and check leads and it might take them somewhere that's uh, necessary. But I don't, I don't see just those, those type of uh, office banter conversations ever coming into. um, But if I could also say, I will say our newly elected city of Philadelphia mayor, she did announce that they will be, she will be announcing a new chief of police, a commissioner, before Thanksgiving. So it's, who knows? Well, I just did a little, little Google search here on uh, the good commissioner. And uh, it looks like, I mean, he has stated that he's, he's leaving to spend more time with his family. And uh, he, um, there was a change in leadership at the County, at Suffolk County, the man that hired him, is no longer there. There's another person replacing him. And I don't know if that was an election process or whatever that was, because we just had an election. So that makes yeah. There's a, there's a new uh, there. There was just a brand new Suffolk County executive, and you see here, Jan says, or yeah. John, so he just had elections. That may be. I think this. Uh, he said up here that that wasn't part of it. That you know he didn't get involved in the politics or for the so on. I wouldn't be surprised if it had a little bit to do with it. But he says here, and this is a quote: "A lot of people think that I'm going to go." into another law enforcement agency. That's not the case. I haven't committed myself to anybody or anything. Listen, if down the road, if something comes my way and I'm sure God has a plan for me, I'll evaluate it with my family. So um, I'm sure that'll get a bunch of people going because he actually believes that God has a plan for him. But uh, uh, as I do, as, as you know, uh, the rest of us. So I, um, uh, he was there and he did what he did. And, uh, it was a great benefit to Suffolk County, that agency and the citizens there. And now he is, uh, he's decided to move, to move on. And according to him is to spend more time with his family and let's see what, uh, what the Lord has in store for him for the future. Audrey, uh, Kubelis, didn't his fundraising manager take some money? No, that was the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. I don't know what's going on with that, but that was not Rodney Harrison. Tolly says, I'm so out of touch. I don't know what's happening in the cases lately. That You have a war going on in Israel, Tolly. We will cut you some slack. Make sure you and Henshi held in Jerusalem. Take care of yourselves. Uh, Johnny Supertramp says, new guy coming in, bringing in his own police commissioner. Um, That's where it goes. So there you go. And that. Ned Smith, ever the skeptic as I am, the cynic, that's always the excuse when you were canned. Yeah, maybe he was canned. We don't know. We'll find out eventually. Um, Rachel Wyatt says, very sad to see Harrison go. So 
This case, this is very interesting and intriguing to me, Phil Waters. Samantha Wool, she is this Detroit synagogue president who was murdered, um, 40 years old, big, bright smile, young woman. Well, police made an arrest. They have a suspect in custody, but they're not saying who he is, what he is, where he is. All they said is, the person arrested in the murder of a well-known Detroit synagogue president is a male who has been moved from Kalamazoo, Michigan, to Wayne County, which is where Detroit is. That's according to a source speaking to Local 4 News in Detroit. And then the police chief says, Phil Waters, while this is an encouraging development in our desire to bring closure for Miss Wool's family, it does not represent the conclusion of our work in this case. The details of the investigation will remain confidential at this time to ensure the integrity of the important steps that remain. Now, I, Phil, cannot recall a time where someone is arrested for a crime and they don't re release a mugshot. They don't tell you the name. It's very odd to me. Obviously, you know, we've got the war going on. Detroit is a very heavily populated Muslim area. This is the president of a synagogue. So there's obviously implications. They are saying it's not a hate crime. What do you make of this, Phil? Why so much secrecy? Well, we only know what we know, right? So I, I when I saw this when it first when it first occurred, she was stabbed to death, right? Yes. Is that correct? And correct. So my first thought was, and, and given her position and, and so forth and so on, and who she was as a person, my first thought was, this is going to be somehow related to the fact that she's Jewish. Now, they, the authorities came out, not a, not a whole lot of time passed when they said that, to use your words here, this was not a hate crime, which would imply what? That it's not involving what we would think to be the usual suspects. However, the fact that they're not releasing any information about the arrested person. Now, I would think, unless they got some sort of a sealed indictment to arrest this person, if they went and filed a charge... That's public information. So the media could get right into the system there in Detroit and see what charges have been filed against what individual, and there would be a summary there of why that person was charged. It's weird, though, because it doesn't seem to exist. I don't know why. Shivani is asking, Phil Waters, could the one arrested be underage? I mean, you've arrested people for capital murder who are underage. Well, that's still that they may be, but I mean, I, I mean, my my point is here is that the, the the fact that they've arrested someone and there is no information that can be accessed in the system, like the like whatever the probable cause was on the charge sheet to arrest that person for that particular crime. That is a little mysterious. So my thinking is that they got a sealed indictment and they're not going to unseal it until they are in a, a place where, as the chief or whoever that was said, 
they don't want to compromise the investigation. And he is, he, he uh, it's a he, right? Uh, as far as we know, yeah. Um, so he is correct when he says that their investigation, however you phrase it, is just beginning or now it's, it's really going to get going. That's what always happens in a murder investigation. Once an arrest is made, then the investigation itself, that's where it takes off. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see when they do, because it, it will be an eventuality. They, they will release the name of the person and so forth and so on. But that person was arrested outside of Detroit. Did you just say Kalamazoo? Uh, they were arrested in Kalamazoo, yes. How far is that from Detroit? I have no idea. I don't know. I have no idea. So, uh, and I would have to believe it's hard to make an arrest. In a, it, 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 it'll depend on where they made the arrest. I mean, did they go to a house in a neighborhood? Did they get him on a traffic stop? Did they did they find him walking down the street? You know, singing "Do What Diddy." I mean. What were the circumstances of the arrest? And this person's got to be somewhere. I'm sure he, I, I, I'm presuming he was taken into custody and he was put in the county jail there at Kalamazoo. And then detectives from Detroit went and picked him up and brought him back. So whoever this person is, they're documented in two different places as to who they are and what they were arrested for. It would be, I, I mean, I guess you could do it. it it's just going to be tough to, especially making an arrest in another city, another county, having to process them through there, unless the detectives from Detroit went directly there and arrested the guy and brought him directly back. So there's a lot of ways this thing could have all happened. I'm, uh, I'm impressed that they've been able to keep the identity of this, of this person, this suspect under wraps for this long. So it will be interesting to see who it is. And the, you know, the circumstances, at least what I've read, uh, I, I believe she was, was she, uh, killed outside her house in like her driveway or front garage it's or interesting. They, um, authorities say that they believe she was attacked inside her home inside and her then home. she stumbled out outside. before collapsing on the sidewalk. Yes. So then you have all those questions, <clears throat> excuse me, you have all those questions, right? Was there forced entry? If there was no forced entry, then the presumption is, is that she knew her attacker. Then you're going to do a canvas of that neighborhood. Who was seen coming in and out of her house? Uh, was anybody seen? There may be no witnesses to it. Is there any video available? So forth and so on. So, and the fact that they've made an arrest. When did this happen? It was like a couple of weeks ago, right? And and yeah, uh, the arrest um, was fairly recent in the last week. No, I'm talking about the actual. Oh yeah, yeah this happened a few murder. weeks ago, three four weeks ago, uh, Saturday, October 21st. 21st of October, October 21st so, when she was found. 
So it's been what two, two and a half weeks, something like that. Yeah, I I am pretty certain they were on whoever this person is. Pretty quick, and that's what's facilitated this arrest because you've got to put things together. You know, these things don't happen in a vacuum. So uh, it will be interesting. I'm very interested to see, as I'm sure everybody else is. Um, but from an investigative standpoint, I'm very interested to see who the suspect turns out to be. And and uh, then that's going to, of course, obviously, that will answer a lot of questions. And um, But I am impressed with the fact that they've been able to keep a lid on this thing. And, and the chief is right. Uh, it does protect the... Uh, the investigation and, and that has to be done. You know, we live in this fast food world, right? Where everybody's expectation is that we need to know this stuff right now. We should have this right now, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I can tell you in an investigation like that, the detectives are going to be methodical. They're going to be deliberate and they're going to hold that stuff close to the vest until the time is right to let the public know this is who we have. These were the circumstances, and then they move forward to a possible prosecution. So, very interesting case, though. Very interesting. Especially very interesting. With all the, We're not the- all the uh, international dynamics that are going on right now. Yeah, and we're not done with it quite yet. Tolly, is there any news in the Rachel Morn case? Glad you asked. I just I've been in touch, very close touch with the family. Uh, Patty Morn, the mother, uh, is going to come on the show very soon, as soon as next week. Uh, they are they've got some news, um, nothing about catching a suspect, but some um, strategies that they are trying. Scott Duffy is well informed on this case. I'm going to bring Scott on with uh, Rachel Morn's mother, Patty Morn, and possibly her brother, Michael or Nate Morin. When we are ready to bring them on, I will let you know at podcast SDS on Twitter. Also, shameless plug. I was asked to do true crime daily, the sidebar. <laughs> with the great Josh Ritter, who's sometimes the best guest. And uh, that episode will be out Tuesday morning. Um, Sunday night, we're efforting, as they say in the news business, efforting to do a uh, Moscow murders one year later, a special, and uh, trying to get a lineup of some best guests for you. I, I, I want to stay away from the evildoer on that one and just talk about the victims and what it's like to be in Moscow a year later. So look for that Sunday evening, probably seven o'clock. And uh, my final question, Scott Duffy, what happens? This is what I was thinking about while Phil was talking. What happens to your beach house in the winter? Do you still go? No, it is. It is seasonal. So I open it up in April and close it. Um, right at the end of October. So it's winterized and it will, you know, do you, remain do you shut alone. The pipe, do you shut the the pipes off? Do you turn the pipes off yeah. and things of that? Mm-hmm. You do. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. Will Sorry it be open that. when I'm up there in April uh, next year, Scott? It will be. All right. Am I going to be yeah. uh, and one, able to yeah. uh, see it? Are you bringing the Ferrari? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I guess I could. I guess I could drive uh, all the way to, uh, you know, I could do it. I could sure do it. How long would it take you to drive the Ferrari from Houston to the Philadelphia area, Bill Waters? 
Would you be going 120 um, in the HOV lane? When I could. <laughs> you got um, to give these cars a Ferrari tune-up. I mean, they love to be driven. So, you know, there you go. Oh, look at this. Kalamazoo is about three hours from Detroit, always answering okay. Phil's questions. Thank Scott you. Duffy, uh, you're you're involved here because, mm -hmm. um, by the way, again, they say that this attack of Samantha Wall in the Detroit area happened back on October 21st, that the attack actually happened inside the house, and then she stumbled out, which makes you wonder, as Phil just said, do, did she know the person? Uh, someone else said a stabbing is very personal. We don't know yet. Uh, Scott Duffy, the Detroit police chief, James White, said at a press conference that his police department is working in partnership with the FBI and Michigan State Police, and they've already identified persons of interest. I guess that came out prior to this arrest. Uh, and again, no evidence of a hate crime. But what would the FBI doing be doing in this particular situation? Why are they called in? I, I would imagine, especially because of the whole situation in Israel and uh, the and, and and a high profile uh, Jewish woman in Michigan, you, you just you you can make logical assumptions that this could have been an act of terror, a hate crime, et cetera, all wrapped in. And so thereby, I, I see bringing in the FBI sooner than later. Um, so they could have been brought in on on that nexus, and and so that's and and as you talked about, and I know it's it's his, uh, Phil's favorite word, persons of interest, the, you know, potential suspects. They're all suspects. So that that's the only thing I could think of. I I think there's there needs to be a high threshold, and and it probably exists here where you can have a a, a person who's been arrested. And that identity not disclosed. So thereby, my initial thought is there are others very close to this, where this is a group, um, this is a conspiracy, one or more, and um, or two or more. And and so thereby, releasing this person's identity would would really affect the uh, getting the others in custody. Um, and remember, it, I, I mean. If if um, if the murder weapon is missing the, and they want to be able to get evidence, they don't want that whatever evidence could be out there destroyed. So it really takes a it's a high threshold to keep that name under the wraps. And so that that's where I could see there's there's imminent arrests. And and so, you know, but but that's why I would see the FBI involved early in this and then until it starts unfolding that the motive is not terror, it's not hate. Um, you know, it's uh, so that, and the FBI can remain in as a resource providing whatever it can uh, to the investigation. And uh, it remains a mystery. If the media does its job well, we will should have an identity on this person at some point. Andy School says, I'm sorry I was late, but did we thank our veterans today? I'm sure we did. Phil, thanks to all our brave service people. Love you all. We did. Andy School, did your son, as the captain of his basketball team, did they win their game the other night? I told you, I tell my middle daughter, Z-Bugs, she loses her soccer game. Don't bother coming home. The door will be locked. Um, I don't know if you uh, tell your child the same thing, but let us know if they won the game. Real Happy says, 
Scott looks cold and then uh, says, like, he is cold, I should have said. Not like a cold person, but you look like you are cold. Are you cold, uh, Scott? No, but it is a good hoodie day. It's, 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 it's a good day. I'll wear my typical garb is a hoodie and shorts, regardless, even in the hot days. Uh, Nettie Daniel says, favorite channel guests and mods. I always wonder what they think if they're tuning in for the first time on a Friday because it's a little different than the rest of the days. I have another question for you, Scott, that I was thinking about. Has Chi-Chi, the chinchilla, ever been to the beach house? Do you do you bring Chi-Chi with oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. You do. He, 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 he's a good, he's a good travel he, he. companion. Yeah. He has been there. My uh, My dog, Pearl, has not been because she despises travel she does not if she's not on her four paws she's she's not happy she gets nervous in the car scott hates it hates it what's she do in the car what what does she do um shakes considerably almost convulsive like and and so they're just all all a lot of saliva getting thrown about so (laughs) she does not go in the car except when she needs to (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I brought Ethel to the dog park yesterday, and um, I used to do this with Mabel Rose. May her memory be a blessing. I could almost cry right now. But anyway, I I brought Ethel to the dog park. There was a giant German Shepherd. I mean, this was the biggest German Shepherd I've ever seen, and he was just going after Ethel. I never heard Ethel. She fin- she was hiding underneath the picnic table, and then finally charged at this German Shepherd. Brought a tear to my eye because uh, she was fighting back. She was squealing like a little piglet, a very high-pitched squeal. Uh, the German Shepherd then ran away, and Ethel felt proud that she was able to do it. And then I got home, and she was laying on her back upside down with her tongue hanging out of her mouth. Uh, Cinnamon Bear says, the news article, I guess today, is saying that the murder of this rabbi is a domestic incident. That would be very interesting. Uh, would that surprise you or not at all, Phil Waters? No, I think given the, uh, again, what we talked about is if there's no forced entry, somebody she knew, um, the knife, that may have been just a weapon of opportunity to whatever the whatever the disagreement was and, and to whatever that argument got, whatever level it got to. Uh, it may be something, you know, picked up a, a kitchen knife and did the deed. And it's just usually, I mean, when knives are used and uh, in those kinds of situations, I mean, it's it's usually a personal thing. And so I would not be surprised if it's going to be somebody that she's got a, a, uh, a prior relationship with. Yeah. Andy school who is in the Detroit area says a friend of mine here in Wayne County is saying that this was not a hate crime surrounding the synagogue president. He implied not through knowledge that it was personal, someone attached to her in her private life. So we will soon find out Rachel Wyatt, the big, if, if only Scott Duffy was single, if only Scott Duffy was single. And that's a big, if because uh, he's not, He's a happily married fella, as far as as far as we know. Um, on to the next story. Uh, this comes from your the your Commonwealth, Scott Duffy, and this is a very disturbing story. This is a former 
Pennsylvania vet tech turned mm. nurse and suspected serial killer. Are you familiar with this case, Scott? I am not. So I'm, I'm You're looking not. forward to it. So under her care, 17 patients have died. Um, her name is Heather Irene Presti. Presti. Heather Irene Presti. She was first accused of injecting three patients with insulin, killing two and injuring a third in November 2022, and later claiming that she felt, quote unquote, bad for their quality of life. Again, 17 patients died in her care. She was arrested last May. This is what I find hard to believe. She was fired from 11 different medical centers, 11, uh, because of complaints of abusive behavior. Um, do these people not do background checks on their employees? I mean, 11, I didn't, I couldn't, I, I'm 54. I haven't worked in 11 places. Now the COE's worked in 37 places and she's younger, but that's just a different generation perhaps. But what do you make of this? This is, um, very sinister, Scott Duffy. This is a woman who took sworn oath, um, to take care of people, um, there have been comparisons to this guy, Charlie Cullen, Charles Cullen, who was a New Jersey nurse. Uh, there was a movie made about him called The Good Nurse, did something very similar. Um, the detective who worked this case said that he thought that she was a budding serial killer. Uh, what is your thought on this, that you're going in to get care, you're getting mm -hmm. these insulin shots, and she's literally killing you with what is supposed to be health care? Yeah, and then that that as you were explaining it, that's exactly what came to mind the Charlie Cullen case, and um, and then of course that you know this is this is nothing new, where you have these you know it may come out to be or uh, might have started to be this mercy killing type individual, uh, a nurse or a doctor, and um, you know. It'd be interesting to see what those circumstances are for tra traveling to so many different medical facilities. And uh, and then, of course, that there's, you know, you're talking about liabilities. You're talking about uh, do you have a, many patients that have died in the previous you know, under uh, suspicious circumstances that are all going to be revived in different jurisdictions? So. It, it will be, it, it's there, of course, there are these privacy laws where you can, you know, yes, you could do backgrounds, but just what, how, how much are they going forward? They're looking ultimately for criminal history. And if, if, if she has never been charged in anything and she simply let go, you know, um, and then of course, everybody signs these documents, um, is the hospital going to be able to get anything? They're not going that far to do an investigation, uh, unfortunately. And so things like this do take place and they're allowed to fester and take place because of these lack of, um, you know, inter medical facilities being able to talk and be able to gather. And, and it wasn't all that long ago where a teacher who might have been a abusing children or suspected in abusing children and, and is able to travel about. And then, of course, the laws have changed to realize, hey, we have to protect these children. And so thereby, if you have somebody that's traveling states and different 
schools, there could be an issue. So, um, so very much in the medical field, it's, you know, unfortunately it comes down to people protecting their business and, uh, and then letting somebody go and then harm somebody else in the future. Uh, so, so nothing surprises me with, with what you have said. And, and, and it's just going to keep happening again and again, when you have people like this, ultimately it might've started as a mercy killing and and then if I remember with regards to uh, the Charlie episode where detectives actually got him to confess that that it was uh, much more it started in something. And and then, of course, you had very um, you, you had patients that were dying that that had no terminal illness, no suffering in, in their life. And um, so then it becomes a power it becomes, uh, you know, um, just this this. Um, unfortunately the sickness where, Hey, I just, uh, um, I like it. And, and so they, you know, keep, keep thriving on that power and whatnot in, in these. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but yes, the first I'm hearing of this case, especially in my Commonwealth is, do you, do you know what, what, what uh, section? I, do, I don't, but I'll have to look it up yep. and I will let you okay. know, but but um, it is very disturbing because, again, you're going in for medical care. And by the way, they say that, um, you know, unforced or unneeded insulin shots are incredibly painful to the system. So it's not a, a pleasant it's not like getting shot up with heroin or something. It's it's painful. Ned Smith here, Phil Waters, who has a great sense of humor with his serious tone. She better not have killed any animals. So I told you she was a vet tech. The detective says. She's only been a nurse for five years. Before that, she was a vet tech, and one of her primary responsibilities was administering anesthesia to animals and also euthanizing animals. Uh, let me tell you something. If this woman, Heather Presty, ever touched my Mabel Rose or Ethel Bug Johnson, I would have her in a headlock within 0.3 seconds, and she would not have been doing what she's doing to humans don't dare touch animals. I get fired up, Heather Presty. Don't do it. Um, Phil Waters, she texted her mother um, on Christmas Day, and this was the text. She was talking about a woman that was under her care. She says, and I quote, I can't with this lady. She's going to get pillow therapy. Two days later, this 85-year-old woman was dead. Is there a special place reserved in hell for these people, Phil Waters, assuming she is convicted of these heinous crimes well <clears throat> the fact that that's where they're headed will be enough but uh i'm i'm sure there are there are probably going to be special places for those types of people that that uh, i mean that's you know that's just uh she's getting off on that kind of stuff that's a weird that's another weird um event that occurs with a person that has got such a perverted view of life and what brings them gratification um you know those stories are always disturbing and when they come about and uh, you know somebody sometimes these people like her look at look at the victims as though she's uh, doing them a favor that they're in whatever degree of uh, 
being, uh, you know, debilitated and all that kind of thing. And they think they're doing them some sort of a favor by removing them. And really that's not their call. You know, they go in there and they see themselves, perceive themselves as an angel of death and that they're in there, you know, helping them out. And that's just a, that's a hard mind to even, uh, to even comprehend, to even understand. Uh, look at Julie Frew. A man in the UK today was given only 330 days community service for kicking a cat repeatedly to death. Phil, I don't even want to broach this subject with you, but God, God forbid, this woman Heather Presti, you bring her to the, uh, you know, to the animal. You bring poor Nugget stubs her toe. You bring her into the clinic in the Big Island. Heather Presti is the vet tech. Next thing you know. Um, poor not can even say these words. Poor Nugget is in a state of rigor mortis. I mean, what would you do? I mean, how would you handle that? I mean, this woman was killing pets. Well, gosh, with any of my, would you have to stare down the barrel of your forty-five. After with that? any of my pets, uh, a situation like that, somebody would have to provide me some answers that are pretty clear. That's. Um, that's, you know, I'm not sure. I, I know when I, you know, I had, I had, um, there was an incident about 11 years ago and my, uh, my cat, who was, uh, it was my cat. He wouldn't, didn't really care for my wife too much, but, uh, Satch. And he was named after Joe Satriani, virtuoso guitar player. Mm. Um, he was murdered by a couple of Rottweilers on his own driveway. And uh, I found him the next morning. And it was horrible. And so I immediately went into my detective mode found out where the rots came from called animal control uh, they they did find them i told them on the phone though that if they didn't come out and find these dogs that i was going to go out and look for them and i would dispatch them with my 45 so uh but they got out there they got them in custody and i said the the one the female looked to me because I had seen him that night and it was really a weird deal. And uh, it was right after a, a, an investigation I had completed and very emotional. And, uh, then this thing happens and, uh, I, um, I told him that the female looked to me to be the one that was, running things i've been around dogs all my life my dad used to raise shepherds german shepherds so the the guy the, the male dog was just kind of like you know there and i told him i said you need to put him down once you get him and so they did put the female down and they sent the the male off 100 miles away to some ranch somewhere but uh so, yeah, I know how I would respond if something happened to one of my one of my pets, one of my animals, and it 
it looked like it wasn't right. That's a horrible story. I only laugh because now the staring down of Phil's 40 barrel of his 45 extends to animals <laughs> as well as humans. Um, horrific story. Adam Lamparello, aren't hospitals equally culpable for allowing people to suffer horribly for months? I saw that happen to my father. It was disgusting. Sorry to hear that, Adam. I went through that. My dad was in the hospital for eight months. Um, it was brutal to watch. It's uh, it's very sad um, just to watch that. Um Heavy stuff. Two more very quick stories. But first, uh, Scott Duffy, your favorite band. I am not T-Pain with a perfect comment at the perfect time to alleviate the tense mood. Uh, your, your favorite band, Scott Duffy. <laughs> okay, we're going to get this started, huh? Mm. I have two uh, her horrible mom stories coming your way. We'll do them real quick. Um, but first, your favorite band, Scott. Scott? Yeah, I know. I'm thinking. I can't. It's. It's. Uh, I, I like. I like a lot, but I will say one. One that I'm dedicated to seeing every year in my hometown, and so I go. Is uh, Philadelphia homegrown Hooters? Yeah, you know, you mentioned that. By the way, mm-hmm. you did mention. I saw that. them last weekend. You did, and you know, I think I. I think I'm all. I'm 99 sure that they played at my college when I was in college. Is that possible? They've been around that long. Yes. And and they joke about that. They're 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 up there in age, and so um, they joke about how they all started it at uh, playing for high school and high school gyms. Yep. So I could yeah. I could believe that. That's interesting. Uh, Phil Waters, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you the same question as posed by I am not T Pain. Uh, your favorite band, Adam Lamparello says Iron Maiden. I'm a huge ACDC fan. Uh, I got to say, Iron Maiden. No, my, uh, I will put it this way. I have floor tickets right in front of the stage at the Eagles final farewell tour in February. Upcoming February. Well, yeah. Is that upcoming? Wow. Yeah. yeah that's 2024. Cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the COE. And we danced, and we danced in the evening. Whatever, I don't know the words to any song. That, but that's yeah, I know that song, and they did play at my college. Uh, yep. The COE, I can't even say this publicly. I guess I mean, my kids don't listen, but she has uh, threatened me uh, with getting my oldest for her first concert. Of course, getting her Taylor Swift tickets. And I said my response was, "Aren't those really expensive?" And her response was. Don't worry about it. And there was a big skit with Bill Burr. His wife gives him a lot of crap, and he did this whole thing about how he's become a lot more agreeable later in life. He just says, sure. And so when she said that, I said, sure, sounds great. It's in 2024. Why worry about it now? Um, ACDC was great. Yeah, why worry about basically mortgaging my home for Taylor Swift tickets if it's not till uh, 2024. I was going to guess the Eagles was Phil's favorite. Eagles, are, a few people are saying Jimmy Buffett, Phil, that they thought you'd be a big Jimmy Buffett. Well, yeah, fan. I, I, I like uh, Jimmy Buffett, but those guys are parrot heads. And um, no, I, I like Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, sad, uh, sad to see his passing. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was a good, good, talented guy. You know, he was a pilot. Um, he, um, you know, a talented guy and 
and I think worth a billion dollars or something. So he Margaritaville into quite an empire. But uh, yeah, no, I love yeah. I love uh, Jimmy Buffett music. I'm not a parrot head, but I love his music. Look at a Space Coast chiming in on the uh, Taylor Swift. This, of course, is my brother-in-law, otherwise known as the COE's brother. He says, Joel, don't do it. Taylor Swift is so mid. I don't know what that means. Um, Scott Duffy, you're in. You have young kids. Do you know what mid it means? It's so mid. No, no I'm just going to ask you to. What does that mean? By the way, shout, huge shout out goes to the COE's sister, Alex, one of my favorite people in the world. She just passed her bar exam graduated law school now an official attorney huge shout out to alex one of my favorite people um one of the sweetest people you'll ever meet space coast sister okay two quick last stories i bring these up for two different reasons but the theme is oh space coast says mid is mediocre not good um interesting as you spell it m-i-d um not med but um and look, Adam Lamparello says uh, Elvis, the best performer ever. You know, some people would say, look at this. Gretchen says mid, Matt are okay. Mid is Matt. Uh, Phil, did you know that? What? What's the, that what? mid meant? That mid meant like, ah, uh, did you know that? No, obviously not. It's what weird it, how you become, it, and it, I don't mean you feel. Are we speaking Hebrew here? What? What is this? What are we? <laughs> It's just weird that I yeah. have become my father. Yeah. We've all be we've all become our fathers. The pretenders are good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a nine-hour story in nine seconds right now. I was senior year of high school, maybe 1986. My dad had just bought a brand-new Volvo, one of those Volvo Turbo 7. I forget what they were, numbers. Anyway, it was a big, square, bulky car. And we had tickets to see... The Smithereens, Squeeze, and someone else at the Meadowlands. I don't know why I'm telling the story right now, but we're talking about bands. At the Meadowlands, which is now whatever they call it, where the Giants play football, I go with my three friends, Rob Crozier, Howie, and Mike Littman. Steve Isakoff was there, too. I drive, driving back. It's a summertime. Biggest rainstorm in the history of the world. It was like Noah's Ark times 10. I'm with like four of my bonehead high school friends. They say to me, we get off the turnpike, which was a miracle. We're now on Route 27. Cars are submerged, like five feet of water in the roadway. My idiot friends say, floor it. I floor it. We get about halfway through. Everything starts blinking. Car turns off. It starts floating. My friends all are hysterically laughing. I'm in my dad's brand new Volvo. This is 1986. I am like, holy crap. I get out. The car's literally off the ground. It was floating. Um, my parents had a very bad habit of turning. This was before cell phones. They would just unplug their phone, and I couldn't reach them. Someone else's parents came. Eventually, someone knocked on my parents' door. My mom comes. My dad was, you have to know my dad is a character. He's like, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, long story short, eventually my mother comes. I have a little bit of a, uh, believe it or not, uh, when I am push to the limit. I have a little bit of a, I can become a hothead, I guess is a good word for it. We're now New Jersey state troopers are there. I'm with my mother and he does something that I didn't like. And I snapped at him and he then spun me around as a junior in high school and threatened to handcuff me. That was the closest I've ever been. Carmela stepped in 
said something to him, calmed him down. Everything was um, abated. We got home. I had pails, literally a pails, and I was pouring water out of my dad's Volvo. The next day, my dad found out, and uh, he wasn't happy, and that was our brand-new car. Seemed to ride fine a few weeks after that, and uh, that is my nine-hour story in a little over nine seconds. Last two stories. (laughs) I'm out of breath. I need to be on oxygen. Um, This mom, Phil Waters, why does this happen? She shot and killed her two young children in Kentucky, uh, a witness found this the boys suffered because they died later at the hospital at this time police say it appears all parties in relation to this incident have been accounted for the mother uh was previously in jail for drug possession i'm trying to find her name here um i'm trying to find the, the boys were six and nine years old i don't see the mother's name anywhere here um the police officer said Whether you think it's mental illness, just pure evil, a combination of both, um, it could be substance abuse, any combination thereof. Pick your poison. None of it is good. The result is all horrific. Why, Phil, why do we hear about these parents? We did a story like this a few months ago. I mean, she she shot and killed her very own children. Is there just too much stress in the world? I mean, what brings you to that point? I mean, I thought about this with the Adelsons. The Adelsons, the mother had a son that's a surgeon, a son who's a periodontist, a daughter who's a lawyer, and it was still not enough. She needed her kids to move to Miami from Tallahassee, and she puts a hit. Why do people do this, Phil Waters? Well, the the answer is there's evil in the world. And we as a culture in the United States has devalued life to a degree that when someone comes to a crossroads like this and whatever is whatever's going on in their head or whatever is influencing them to do something like this to carry out this act of evil um and i'm not you know the mental illness thing and all that i mean we're going to get all these you know, that'll get them going. You know, they're all going to come in. Mental illness. And look, the fact of the matter is there is good and evil in the world. It's black and white. There's right and wrong. And we as a culture, as a people in this country have life means nothing. It means nothing. And so this Again, whatever the factors are that drives a person like this to kill her own children, murder her own children, uh, that's where it comes from. So uh, it's, it's inconceivable to me that someone could do this. But it happens. And it's happened throughout history, throughout time. And uh, now we're seeing it more prevalent, I think, with these uh, children being killed, infanticide. You know, I've said on here before, we made every baby death in the city of Houston that wasn't a hospital death with no signs of abuse. Uh, I've made death scenes where, where children 
were murdered by their parents. I'm just telling you, it's out there. It's evil. That's all it is. And uh, these are all, again, I said it a couple of weeks ago. These are problems of the heart and the head. And until those get resolved, we will continue to see events like this unfold. That's one I cannot wrap my head around. Well, two, killing animals and killing your children. I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Julie Frew, Bon Jovi, straight out of Sayreville, New Jersey. Here's a fact that's going to blow people's mind. The internet is going to explode right now. Scott Duff, are you ready for this? And this is true. 100%. You can ask her. John Bon Jovi's father used to style Carm's hair. He was a <laughs> hairstylist. Look at that. It comes full circle. Favorite band, John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi's father styled Carm's hair. She used to go, I think it was in Sarahville, where he had a hair salon. Don't think he needs to cut hair anymore. I hope he's still with us. But um, it's one of the reasons Carm looks so beautiful. John Bon Jovi's father. Um, small world. Final story. This one actually really surprised me too, Scott Duffy. Her name is Shannon O'Connor from Los Los Gatos, California. She's uh, been dubbed the party mom. She pleaded not guilty this past Monday to 63 counts, including 20 felonies and 40 misdemeanors. She was supplying alcohol to minors and encouraging them to have sex at parties that she held in her multi $5 million home. It was a multi-million dollar home. New charges include felony sexual assault. She threw six parties for her son and friends in this $5 million mansion over an 11-month period of time. One child was left unconscious with broken bones. She supplied things like vodka, fireball whiskey, and condoms. At one point, she told a 14-year-old to go into a room with a 14-year-old girl and lock them in there. At one point, they also rented a cottage, which had $9,000 in damages, she used social media apps to organize all this. And again, uh, at one point gave a condom at another point, I should say, gave a condom to a young intoxicated boy and quote unquote, pushed him into a bedroom with a drunk 14 year old girl. The girl was afraid, ran and locked herself inside a bathroom. What is going on here? Scott Duffy, Phil is shaking his head. I mean, what is going, Scott, you have four kids. What is going on? I mean, talk to me about the pathology. I know you're an FBI agent, not a therapist. What's going on in this woman's head? She's 40, 40 something years old, by the way, 49. Yeah. Did she, was she, um, did she have children? Was she, was she entertaining? Yeah, yeah. her son, you no, know, her son was yeah, part of yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. The, um, she I wanted mean, her son to participate. Yes. Yeah, good good role model. Um, this just, is why I love uh, Ned Smith. He said Millie Vanilli. This is why yeah, I love Millie Vanilli. So, and, and you know, I, I will tell you, I've been to Los Gatos a few times. I do have relatives there. What a beautiful mountaintop, mountain community. Um, and so when, but I don't think she was there when I was there. It's, 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 it's um, I don't know what it's. It's, where is um, Los Gatos? Where is that? Is it closer to San Francisco or is it LA? Yeah, it's just outside San Francisco. I can't. I don't oh. remember if it's north, south, west, but 
but uh, beautiful, beautiful community. I would fly into San Francisco and then uh, rent a car. And, and I was just, um, as my, my aunt was at the top of a mountain, I would be like, uh, just, just afraid driving. Cause it's not, not anything like I was used to. Um, very, very narrow, windy, fast roads. But aside from that, this, you know what, it's, it's just, horrible with what this person is doing and the fact that she had to interject alcohol she's um you know there's no different there's uh with with regards to a pedophile or somebody who who's causing harm abusing children you know in any uh, of the many ways she is absolutely doing that and she's using alcohol as the way to uh, to lower their inhibitions and whatnot so yeah she is she is absolutely um she she has destroyed these lives and and for her own as as Phil has said for their own sick gratifications she is absolutely um you know this just this, for what um there's something missing in her life and now she's destroyed other teenagers whatever trying to relive a childhood she didn't have i'm not sure but um she's done great harm uh, Abby Tahaha says, hi. I said, hi, Phil. She had such ah. a super sticker. This is especially for you, Phil. Especially Hello, Abby. For Phil. Hello, Abby. Good to see you, dear. Uh, Phil, and we'll finish it off with this. You know, Scott Duffy said something very brilliant, which doesn't surprise me as having the investigative mind that he has. He said, this is no different than pedophilia. In that sultry voice. <laughs> yes, she was um, that soothing, sultry voice. She was basically um, getting off in a weird sexual way, I think, by having her kid sure engage in these sex parties. Um, how depraved is this, Phil Waters? And um, is this another example of evil in the world? And should this woman, as my questions continue to flow, in your opinion, face the full arm of the law here? Oh, Whatever, whatever offenses, multiple offenses that she's committed, I hope they stack them, and I hope she spends the next several years, decades in prison where she belongs, and she can have her little whoop whoop parties there. I, I just uh, that is that is disgusting. She's uh, there's no telling how many young lives that she has at this point, you know, and these, these, at the, you know, this point in a, in a kid's life, these teenage years, we all know we went through them. And those are the years that uh, are the struggle, right? And you're trying to figure out which direction you're headed and, and so forth and so on. So there's no telling how many, how many lives she has impacted in such a way that's going to cause such confusion for those kids. And, um, and there may be some of it that lasts the rest of their lives. So she's disgusting. Uh, she's an idiot. And, uh, and she has to her own degree in that, uh, uh, just hedonistic evil way as uh, I hope she pays a, a severe, severe price for what she's done to these kids. 
Well said. Uh, Jan was at an Eagles concert in Tokyo, March 5th, 2011. Six days later, earthquake, that infamous tsunami, meltdown, things forever changed here in Japan. Uh, Glad that you survived. Um, I have a very um, simple, quick, final question slash thought just in hearing this mother destroying a future generation. Phil, do you ever sit back and think about the... um, you know, the old expression, generations come and go, from dust we come to dust we go. Do you ever contemplate this, especially now, uh, a little bit later in life? Do you ever think, you know, at one point you're going to leave this earth? I wanted to keep it light for the end. That you're going to leave this earth, that your children will be here, then those children will leave. These are things that I think about uh, on the on the, on the the daily, as the kids say. Um, it's a very strange concept. Um, I have no idea where I'm going with this other than these are the (laughs) sorts of things that I think about and it's strange. We're here, but for a fleeting moment, Phil Waters, does that make you nervous? Does it give you reason to live your life fully? Your thoughts? Well, and of course, here we are again. Uh, This will... I'm already hearing I'm already hearing panties wadding even before I speak. <laughs> Look, everybody knows I'm a Christ follower. Everybody knows that I believe and know that there is a plan for each one of us that God created each one of us. He knew us all before we were even in the womb. And He has guaranteed us an eternity with him through belief in his son who sacrificed himself on that cross and then defeated death. So in terms of being worried, you know, I, I, I look at things from a, a, um, a perspective of knowing what the truth is and that's with a capital T and a small T. And so I, what I concern myself with is as far as my children go and so forth and so on, um, they are not in the same uh, boat that I'm in. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, I, I pray for them every day that that will change. And so, um, you know, I, I, and I, and I pray for all those friends of mine. I pray for everyone that uh, the haters and the uh, and the people that uh, are supportive. So, I, you know, that's a gift of uh, the gift of salvation is free for for all people. And uh, he died on that cross for all people, not just believers. And so to answer your question, I don't. The things I see going on today. Uh, I believe we're leaving it. We are. We are living in, in, in biblical times. And so I've read the end of the book, and we win, those who believe. So I, I'm, it's disturbing, but it's it, to me, and I'm just talking about me, it's very interesting to watch these things unfold, given what I know about the history of man and the biblical history. And so... Um, it's uh, this is probably uh, it's a weird word to use, but it's exciting, and 
I can just tell you at the end of this, at some point in time, everyone on the face of this planet, all knees are going to bow and acknowledge who he is. So uh, my view is, is that I would, I would rather believe in a risen Savior and die because we're not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed the next minute. So I would rather believe in a, in a risen Savior and die and find out there's not one than to be stubborn and prideful and believe there's not a risen Savior and then die and find out there is one. So I'll, I'll close on that note. Frankie Figs, I am fully wadded, ruthless, wadded panties. Abby Tahaha, put down your sippy cups. Go, Phil, go. Scott Duffy, today you get the last word on a very um, um, sort of, what is the word I am looking for? Surface day. level. Interesting yes, day. This is a very surface level discussion, but your thoughts on the on the changing of generations, the passing and going of time, um, the fact that we are here for but a fleeting moment. Your final thoughts on all this, Scott Duffy? Yeah, I, um, I second all of what Phil eloquently said, and it is, it is, it's life, right? And you, you choose that life, and and we, uh, Phil and I, have seen. The um, I'm not so sure we can say the worst of the worst because every time you say that, then you see something yeah. or hear something. Yeah. But but we've but um, Scott, Scott, do you wake up and say to yourself, "This could be it. I could get hit by yeah. a Mack truck today. I'm mm-hmm. going to live life to the fullest." Or do you say, "Wow, I could die. I'm so scared," and and you and you crawl into a hole? Do you seize life because you know it is so fleeting? Ha- have to. I I've lived that way. Um, and yeah, sure, sure. There's natural fear, but, um, I, I do, I, I've chosen to believe, I have to believe it's something that, um, that's just, uh, a part of my life. And, and I've seen, you know, it's like, I've seen plenty of evidence, uh, to, to, you know, if I want to live otherwise, but, um, not to get dark, but it is something I think that's been a part of my life, but at five years old as a young boy, you know, to, to see such a popular person in my life, my father, who, who laid in state and was a very popular teacher, um, not only for, for, for me as a father, but, but, um, you know, a very popular person in the city that I grew up in. And then to see him dead at such a young age. So it's hard not to carry that into adulthood to say, wow, somebody who is dead at the age of 37 from natural causes could be, you know, wow. who who had a whole life in front of him as, as you know. With, well, was, with, he, uh, was he in law enforcement, kid. Scott? I'm sorry. Was he, he was he in not. Law he was a teacher. He was a oh, teacher. teacher. Wow. And a very, very popular teacher, you know, as I've seen letters and cards over the years of um, his young students saying what's, you know, such a loss. So it's, it's something that I've carried through my whole life to think that um, 
it, it, you know, was it cut short? I don't think so. It was his time. And he, and I think from everything I've learned about him since then from friends, family, whatnot, is that he did live to the fullest. And so thereby he lived his life. And, um, I'm, I'm glad to be still around. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, but yeah, I, life should be lived as, as if tomorrow will no longer be here. Right. That's, that's a good way to live. Beautifully to said. To live Be- justly. Beautifully said. Beautiful way to end the week. We keep things light here at STS. Ned Smith says Genesis is a fabulous band and ruthless. Uh, now a friend of the show. We've all had a blast. Best guest, Mods family. STS Nation rocks. A reminder, we are efforting a special uh, Moscow one year later for Sunday night. Follow me at podcast STS for the Times. And then uh, we're going to be following future trials, and uh, we're working on a special event with uh, Phil and Scott that we're going to get to, and we'll keep you. We'll let you know what that is one of these days. Until then, love you, America. Love you, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and Delaware, and Houston, Texas, the Woodlands, the Big Island, Bangladesh, Tasmania. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.